Our reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. So, siblings, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, Devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve God. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, Revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. 
Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals of fire upon his head. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. All right, so let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, for your spirit that has called us into this new created space, we give you thanks. Be with all of us as we struggle with what it means to move through the world with compassion and humility and peace. Be with us as the world tries to conform us and help us to be your faithful servants in the midst of it all. May that same spirit guide the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, so they're acceptable to you. We pray all of this in the name of Christ and God's people say, amen. So um, I had us read that whole uh, passage today because um, it, it's all of Romans 12. And I think it's important um, to see the context. Normally we get that last part that says, um, don't pay, repay evil with evil. Don't, you know, just be good, be peaceful. But we often don't get the reason why. We don't do it simply because um, it's, it's the good thing to do or God wants us to. It's because right before that we hear this very clear um, mandate to us and re reminder that we are one body. And so I wanted to have that whole context of Romans 12 in kind of this idea about what it means for us to be part of the body and to not repay evil with evil. So, um, you know, I, I want to share a little bit, uh, you know, what it means for me as I think about this body that we think about, because at the very beginning of this passage, it says, present yourselves as a holy creation, as a holy body. And it doesn't just mean uh, us gr as a grand full body, but also ourselves. How do we uh, see ourselves as holy? How do we see all of this complexity of how we're living as holy? What does it mean for us to actually honor the bodies in which we live. And over the last few Sundays, we've been trying to do that as to how do we honor the dignity and the holiness of the bodies that we inhibit as well as the bodies that are around us. And so as we think about this during this time in this particular phase about what it means to be in our bodies and, and, and move with others and to see ourselves as the whole, I think it's important for us to acknowledge right now that bodies are weary. That right now in our world, the weight of things going on has created a weariness. And that um, we are hearing it not only in people at work or in your families, but you know, just all over, we're just hearing the weight of everything that's going on. And then this darn pandemic and COVID will not just go away. And we're fighting about solutions to that. And then we have this new Omicron thing coming. And uh, I heard uh, um, uh, we we're, we're now have this kind of this, this, this worry fatigue because we go out into the world and we never know like what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And you get into some parts of the country and there's you know, there's clear division with even in churches and communities about what to do, and folks are weary. And so Jesus still asks us, and Paul is telling us in Romans that there's no, like, you don't get to just take a break because you're tired, right? There's no, like, when you're fully energized and you are fully there and you're in your best selves, then be humble and peaceful and loving. But 
because I think actually, right, that's when it's easy to do it. When I'm feeling like centered and good, I can walk into a space and just feel like, oh yes, like life is good, everything is good around, and now I can be kind and patient and all of the things that God wants me to be. But if I'm feeling off and I'm tired or whatever it is, it's much more difficult. I was meeting with some pastors last week from um, uh, a, a judicatory in New Jersey and we were talking a little bit about how they're moving through this pandemic world. And we were talking about our ordination vows. So those of you on Zoom, you can raise your hand. But those of you here, how many of you here are ordained elders or deacons in the Presbyterian Church? Right, so we have a very high percentage of attenders that are actually ordained in this church. And those of you on Zoom, uh, you know, you can put in the chat if you are ordained uh, uh, deacon or elder or minister of ordained sacrament. But one of the vows that you took when you said yes to being an elder, a deacon, minister, word and sacrament, is that you would pray for the goodness of the church and you would serve this church with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. We were talking about those as pastors and we were like, all at once? Like we gotta do all four of those all the time? And never before had we really thought about, it's like, man, I, I'm, I'm good if I could get one of those this week. And we were reflecting on the greatest of these is love. Like, what does it mean for us to serve churches? But I think that for those of us that have taken that vow, wherever we may be, our world and our culture expects us to be doing all of those things all the time. Like you read that and you're like, oh, well, what if I'm not very energetic? What if I'm not very intelligent right now? What if my imagination is really not very high? And man, I am having a hard time loving people. I think the passage in Romans gives us some comfort that we don't always have to have everything together, but we do have to remember a few things. We have to remember that our bodies and the bodies around us are holy. That we don't, Paul doesn't say to us, you choose who you think are holy and divine bodies. Paul doesn't give us the chance to be, for us to choose and pick and say, you are holy, you are not holy, I am holy, I am not holy. We don't get that, that, that whether we even think our own bodies are holy, Paul says, no, 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 your bodies are holy as is the person sitting next to you, as is the stranger on the street, as is your probably your worst enemy or opponent in the world. And then Paul goes and says, and knowing that when you move through the world, don't act as if the world would want you to act. Be humble. The world doesn't really want us to do that right now. The world wants us to actually dive in deeper and actually be even more um, treating ourselves more as God than, than ever before, I think. But that we need to be humble. We need to claim our connections to each other. We need to understand that there are gifts that other people have that we don't have. We need to show honor to one another. And yes, we do not repay evil acts with evil acts. And towards the end, it's also to be empathetic towards one another. So Paul really is kind of telling us how we move through the world is remembering that we're all part of this complex, sometimes terrible body, but also divine and holy. 
So the question for us now is, what does this mean? What does this mean for us as we now move through the world? So I don't know how many of you are on Twitter. Are any of you on Twitter? Okay, it's just me. All right. If you want to have a little excitement, go onto Twitter when you get back and look at my Twitter thread, my Twitter stream. Um, I'm friends with uh, a couple of Board of Education people who are being recalled right now in San Francisco. I worked on an election before I got here of one of them and his friends with another. And um, so I tweeted out this week that I am not in support of the recall in San Francisco. Woo! Seriously, go on Twitter if you have no other reason other than go like, ooh, that's my pastor. So this morning I wake up and there's like tons of responses. And one of them is like, this guy should be defrocked. And, you know, I haven't used my mute button on Twitter in so long. I've forgotten what it was like. But there are tons of people, right? So I was very clear, like, I lived in San Francisco, but I'm not there anymore. My kids went to both public and private. And so, you know, you put that stuff out there, and boy, you'd think that I, woo, if you were to um, uh, read some of what people are saying about your pastor, you'd wonder, like, did we hire this guy? Who, is this really who he is? But yet that is the world we live in, right? That is the worst of when you think about what happens in political debate on Twitter. This is what it is. It's just people just terrible, terrible stuff directed my way. This is not the first time. It's not the last. I don't take it personally. Um, I had to tell my parents at one point, especially my mom, stop trying to defend me online. Because she'd go back on like, you don't be mean. I'm like, mom, please stop. So please, you all, you no need to go in there and be like, Bruce is a nice guy, I promise. Right? Please, you don't just let them vent. But you'll see that I followed it up with why I engage with people. Why it's important for me to listen to who's actually interested in engaging and having conversation and then engaging with those people and also deciding who does not deserve and is not entitled to my time. And then this morning, after a little bit of engagement, one of them, somebody came back and said, thank you for sharing that. Um, You know, you've done the things that I hope everybody does. I totally disagree with you, but here we are. And I thought to myself, this is what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to actually discern our time and figure out gifts and think about the other person and actually engage in a way that gets us, not to agreement necessarily, but gets us to a common honor and respect. Now, I'm not the hero of that story. All I'm saying is that there are moments when we can actually get to a place that the world, I actually think, doesn't want us to get to. The world and the power structures and the ways in which money and politics work would love for us to stay divided and not just divided, but continue to hate each other in a way that is unrealistic and it doesn't make any sense because we don't actually know each other. And so in this little interaction, and there have been very few in the middle of the firestorm of this weekend, there are these glimpses of (coughs) what does it mean for us to actually honor the other and not repay evil with evil. So I think for us, as we move through the world, as we try our darndest to believe in the fullness of the body of Christ, the reality is it is exhausting to do that. 
The reality is not only are we dealing with the politics in general and pandemic and whatever other personal things you may be having going on in your life, we are also asked and challenged to go into the world and treat other people differently. To go into the world and treat people with kindness and compassion and humility and honor and not revenge, to not repay evil with evil and to have empathy. And that I know is simply exhausting. Energy, intelligence, imagination, in love. One of my colleague friends said, all on the same day? But yet the greatest of these is love. Because I think if we can move into the world, if we can just hold on to that one thing, as we move through the world, as we engage with people online or in person, as we again engage in conversations about protocols and COVID and all the things that are happening in our community and around the world, if we can hold on to that one thing, that we can love one another, and that love means that we're humble and we're trying to create peace, that we're not repaying evil with evil, then I think we stand into that space that Paul asks us to be and not be conformed by the world. Because again, the world would rather have us separating and drifting apart when we are clearly called in this passage and throughout scripture by Christ to come together into this understanding of one holy community. Now that doesn't mean that we're all gonna be best friends. It doesn't mean that we're all even gonna be in the same churches. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be buddy-buddy all the time, but it can mean that we can honor the body. So that when we do that, I firmly believe when we do that, violence stops, abuse stops, estrangement comes a little bit closer, healing happens, wholeness begins, because I refuse to believe that the evil of the world gets to win. If any of us are engaged in this endeavor of our Christian faith, it can't be, we can't be in the space all the time that the world is so terrible that evil has won. Now, there are going to be times we feel that, and I don't want to take away whatever you're feeling, but at the end of the day, our faith is about the fact that love, hope, justice, compassion, healing, wholeness, that is what wins in the end. You and I are resurrection people, my friends. The bread, the body, the cup, the new promise. When the world is saying death, we are saying life. And now we have to move into the world as if we believe it. But it is tiring and it takes dedication, and it takes commitment, and it takes risk, and it takes humility. But that's why we're here. We lean on one another in that walk, and we step out and we do that together. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, for the spirit that is in this place, the spirit that continues to move us, the spirit that challenges us to see others as holy and divine. That spirit, we ask, O oh God, that it would continue to nourish us and care for us as we move forward. We thank you for calling us into this understanding of being one body, bread, cup, 
called together around one table and called to be in the world with love. We pray all this in the name of Christ and God's people say, amen.